Hello and welcome to another episode of the Road Coach Podcast, the show where I share what I've learned from years of living on the road through research and experimentation so that if you're like me and you live your life away from home a lot of the time, you can not only survive but thrive even when you are out of your element. If you're new to the show and you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, please subscribe and share with your friends if you like what you hear. Also, please check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the road coach podcast, where you can see me uh, filming the episode and everything that I have up on the screen that I'm following along with so that you can see the sources and check them out for yourself. Um, I try to use research based uh, research based information anytime that I can or where it makes sense. Uh, and if you'd like to support the show, please visit us at patreon.com slash the road coach podcast, where you can make a donation to keep us moving along and making these shows for you. So today I wanted to talk about smoking. Um, and there's a couple of reasons that I wanted to talk about it. <clears throat> Number one, when I am on the road, I see a lot of people that are like me traveling away from home and they smoke cigarettes when they're on the road um, or they smoke cigarettes all the time. Oftentimes when they're away from home, it's an excuse to be able to get away with it. And then they don't smoke when they go back home to their families or their friends. Um, or more often than not, uh, people who travel smoke because it's a nice break from everything stressful that's going on in their lives um, when they're not in their own beds at home with their, you know, their current, you know, normal standard of living. And um, <clears throat> I'm guilty of this. I'm trying to quit smoking and I think I thought what better of a way to help in that process than to talk about the effects of smoking on our body, um, the dangers of smoking, how quickly it can cause damage. And, uh, and then in a part two of this episode, which I'm going to do next week or of this topic, I'm going to do next week, I'm going to talk about the benefits of quitting smoking and how quickly the health effects can be reversed, which ones can and which ones can't, uh, and show you sort of a timeline of what happens when you quit smoking to help you in your journey if you are in the same boat as me. <clears throat> so for those of you that listen to this podcast, if you've listened for a while, you know that I'm very um, adamant about improving your nutrition and your fitness level and focusing on what you need to do well on the road to keep you mentally and spiritually balanced and healthy to be able to do a good job and be there for your family. And this is one of those things we're all human where I'm guilty of this is one of my vices. And so I'm hoping that these episodes help me on my journey and hopefully they can help you too. The first resource that I brought up is from the Victoria Health website, which is Victoria, Australia, uh, because it is a really good sort of synopsis of everything that happens in your body when you smoke cigarettes. And I'm just going to fly through this, some of the things that you probably already know, but might be a good reminder for you if you are a smoker or if you smoke just when you travel. Um, we'll start with the dangerous chemicals in tobacco smoke. So first one they list is tar, which is obviously sticky brown substance that has carcinogens in it, stains your teeth, stains your fingers, um, and it stains your lungs. Of course, if you have never done it before, we did a uh, we did a, an exercise in public school where I guarantee this is not allowed anymore. <laughs> but in my class, I think it was in grade five or six, uh, they filled a pop bottle full of cotton balls and they stuck a cigarette in the top, lit it and virtually made the pop bottle smoke the cigarette. And you saw very quickly within just half a cigarette or so, the cotton balls are completely stained brown and black. Uh, it's absolutely disgusting and it's a good visual reminder. If you've never seen this, just look it up on YouTube or do it yourself. Um, and you can see how quickly tar stains absolutely everything. Those of us who are smokers know it stains your fingers, it stains your teeth. It's very hard to keep your teeth white. Um, and that's the tar that's doing that. Carbon monoxide, obviously a poisonous gas. Most people have carbon monoxide detectors in their house because if the carbon monoxide levels rise too high in your blood, 
you just simply will not wake up. Um, oxidizing chemicals, we've talked about antioxidants in a lot of the food that we eat and why we want to consume foods that are high in antioxidant, antioxidants, but oxidizing chemicals are present in cigarettes and we're counteracting that procedure every time we have a cigarette. There are metals in tobacco. Um, arsenic, beryllium, cadmium, chromium, cobalt, lead, and nickel that they put here. You know, I'm very much concerned with the quality of my water because where I live, there were high levels of lead in the water um, for years. Um, and so I purify all my water that, my, that me and my family consume in our homes. Um, for that being a lead, or a lead pun intended, uh, reason for it is to get rid of the lead in the water. Um, and then by smoking, of course, we're putting these metals back into our body. Especially when detox is a hot topic these days on the internet, and we will never get rid of these metals in our bodies if we're continuing to add to the concentration every time we smoke cigarettes. And then of course there's radioactive compounds, um, and they're not only known to be carcinogenic, um, but they can cause all, cause all sorts of genetic mutations within our body. So now we'll move on from the chemicals to the effects. Um, they affect the respiratory system by irritating the trachea, which is your, your windpipe that goes to your lungs and your larynx, your voice box. Uh, many people will know that if they smoke a lot, their voice gets very hoarse, reduces your lung function, causes breathlessness, and that's due to the swelling and narrowing of the lung airways, and then excess mucus, of course, in the lung passages. Those who have a smoker's cough know exactly what I'm talking about. You're constantly coughing up phlegm, um, and you feel like you can't breathe the same way. Um, and it also impairs the lungs' ability to clear out toxins because of all this buildup of damage, uh, buildup of, of substances um, causing damage and irritation. And then, of course, we're at increased risk of infections, um, coughing, wheezing, getting colds longer and more intensely. Um, and then, of course, we do permanent damage to the alveoli or the air sacs in the lungs. Those cannot be reversed. So if you are thinking I can quit any time at this point and I can uh, reverse a lot of the damage that I've done, Remember that the damage you've done to the actual alveoli that get the air at the last part of your breath, the damage is done permanently. So if you're thinking about it, the best time to quit is right now. The circulatory system, it raises your blood pressure and your heart rate. Um, it causes constriction of the blood vessels in the skin, resulting in a drop in skin temperature. Um, if you're a smoker, you'll know you often have cold hands and feet, and that's because your blood vessels are being constricted and you cannot get the same blood flow to your extremities, which is why you feel like you are always uh, cold in your toes and your fingers. You get less blood carried, um, or sorry, less oxygen carried by your blood during exercise even. So, you know, using exercise like cardio to counteract the downside of smoking um, doesn't work the way you think it does because we don't get the full benefits of exercise if we are smoking at the same time or within the same you know, time period um, because our blood can simply carry less oxygen. Um, we get what's called stickier blood, which is more prone to clotting. We damage the lining of our arteries um, and we increase the risk of stroke and heart attack due to blockages of blood supply. So much of this might not be news to you, but a good review. The immune system, we have a greater susceptibility to infections such as pneumonia and, and the flu. Um, more severe and longer lasting illnesses and low levels of antioxidants such as vitamin C um, and those that you get in you know a lot of colorful fruits and the vitamins that you take um, in the blood. So those of us who are smokers need even more antioxidants to counteract the, the effect of having lower ones and having oxidizing chemicals in our blood all the time. Um, and that may be a good reminder to you that you know you can't counteract the bad effects of smoking just by consuming more antioxidants. 
you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't quit and quit as soon as possible. Um, on the musculos musculoskeletal system, you have tightening of certain muscles and reduced bone density. So you'll have, you'll have an easier time breaking bones. And especially as you age, that's something you really need to consider. Um, tobacco on the male body, lower sperm count, deformed sperm, genetic damage to sperm, impotence. And impotence is often because of the effects on blood flow. On the female body, reduced fertility, menstrual, menstrual cycle irregularities, absence of menstruation altogether, menopause is reached earlier, increased risk of cervical cancer, and stroke and heart attack um, if they're over 35 and taking um, the pill, oral contraceptives. Other effects, you have irritation and inflammation on the stomach, the intestines, you have an increased risk of ulcers, um, reduced ability to smell and taste. Most people who quit smoking all of a sudden over the first you know, week, they think they can smell and everything tastes better. They can smell more than they used to. Um, and that's because the effects of smoking are finally wearing off. Premature wrinkling of the skin, higher risk of blindness, believe it or not, and of course, gum disease. So those are just some of the baseline effects on the body of smoking in general um, that I think are a good review to start. And then I wanted to talk about how our brains change um, when we have nicotine in our body. So this is from the Mayo Clinic. Uh, and it's just a simple question. Is it true that smoking changes your brain somehow, making it harder to stop smoking? And if so, how does that happen? And is there anything that can be done to change it back? And what the Mayo Clinic answers here is that when you smoke, your brain changes in response to the very high levels of nicotine delivered by cigarettes. Those brain changes can cause you to become addicted to nicotine, and that addiction can make stopping smoking very difficult. Now, most people know that nicotine is addictive, but they don't understand necessarily why. And so this is these are the, the reasons, okay? So... Nicotine that gets into your body through cigarettes activates structures that are normally present in your brain called receptors. So many people have heard of receptors in your brain. There are receptors specifically for nicotine. And so when you activate those receptors, your brain releases dopamine. And dopamine feels, makes you feel good. It's a pleasure response. And so when you continue to smoke, your brain will actually produce more nicotine receptors because you're constantly filling up the ones that you have. So like um, we've talked about before, you know, the more you exercise, the more energy you need. And so your cells will produce more mitochondria to then give you more energy from a baseline. Um, your brain does the exact same thing when you feed it chemicals that can bind to certain receptors in the brain and nicotine specific receptors will multiply drastically. So they say here that addicted smokers have billions more receptors than non-smokers. Okay. Um, so not all smokers have a high level of receptors, and that's why some regular smokers can stop smoking without difficulty. But chances are, the more you smoke and the longer you smoke, the correlation will be that you have more receptors for nicotine. So they have, when you don't smoke, there's more receptors that aren't getting nicotine that feel empty, and that's what makes it hard to stop because you just want to fill those receptors and release dopamine. Now, dopamine is often considered the feel-good chemical. People talk about um how it's it's you know dopamine and serotonin are the things that keep us you know mentally mental keep our mental health high um there's a really good book if you've not read it i recommend it by daniel kahneman i think it is the social psychologist um called the molecule of more i think it's a group of writers um i'm just gonna actually look that up quickly the uh, molecule of more so that we know so that I'm not giving you false information, The Molecule of More. Oh, it's by Daniel Lieberman and Michael E. Long. So I was mistaken there. So Daniel Lieberman, this book is really, really good. Um, if you have a chance to read it, get it from your local library. Um, it talks about 
dopamine in general um, and how it works in our body and what it does to us. So the reason that I bring up dopamine is because most people um, consider it a feel good chemical, but what it is is actually our motivation chemical. It's a chemical that um, is released in response to pursuit of things that are good for us. So um, throughout evolution, dopamine would be released when we did things that were good for our future, i.e. hunted, uh, ate, drank water, um, protected our family, things like that, things that would help um, us live longer and um, um, and further our lineage. Dopamine was a response to that. So it helped you helped motivate you to do more things that were good. Uh, but when you have synthetic chemicals or what we call cheap dopamine um, being released in our brain, such as that's what happens when we smoke cigarettes, um, it's basically telling our body that we're doing a good thing for our future synthetically. And we know that we're not intuitively to our rational selves, but our brain doesn't know the difference. And so what we're doing every time we put nicotine in our brain and releasing dopamine is reinforcing the fact that smoking is good for us because the dopamine tells our brain that it is. We're in pursuit of something good. And um, the problem with that is that the brain wants to continually produce more and more dopamine and it knows it can get that from cigarettes. So you reinforce the mental model that smoking is necessary because you've released so much dopamine by doing it in the past. Um, so that's a really, really important thing to remember um, that the nicotine receptors will not only increase in your brain and you will require more of it to release dopamine, but that your brain craves dopamine and is telling you that this is a good thing to do for your future. And you know it is not. So stopping sooner than later can be highly beneficial to get you back to e equilibrium and not doing anything that offers cheap, free dopamine hits. The, the idea of using dopamine effectively is to use it to, to further your goals and to do things that are good for your future. And so if you if you do things, if you engage in activities that release dopamine that are not beneficial for your future, it is much easier to continue doing poor activities that get the same effect on your brain rather than working towards goals that you know are important for your future. And I want to talk about the effects of smoking um, on your body. So this is just a nice little um, diagram about what happens. So smoking can raise your overall cancer risk almost anywhere. And we'll talk about that. Mental health problems, vision changes or loss, increased risk of heart attack, gum disease, stroke, psoriasis uh, in the skin, type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis in females, infertility problems, delayed wound healing, which is really, really um, noticeable. If you, if you injure yourself as a non-smoker versus injuring yourself as a smoker, the time it takes for wounds to heal or recovery after surgery or getting healthy after a sickness is severely delayed. Um, and then of course we talked about irreversible lung damage and chronic lung conditions as well. So this is just a good graphic from Healthline. If this helps you print it out, post it on the wall, um, and maybe you can look at this every time you want to have a cigarette and realize what it is doing for you. Um, it goes through some of the um, individual systems in the body and how it affects them in this article from Healthline, which is very good, but I'm not gonna spend time on it because I'd like to get more into the research. So now um, I'm getting into a meta-analysis and if you're a fan of scientific studies and how they are, how they are um, performed, written, and then uh, published, you'll know that on the hierarchy of quality of studies, meta-analyses are at the top. So what a meta-analysis is, is it takes a bunch of different studies that have already been done, it analyzes them for quality, it groups them together, and then it sees what trends can be, um, can be gleaned from multiple studies over time. And so it gives you a more 
um, not only a more wholesome picture of the research that's available, um, but it reinforces studies that have gotten similar results to give you reproducibility to say this is definitely true. It wasn't just one study with a couple of patients that got this result, but it is um, generally accepted as the truth because it's been reproduced so many times. So this meta-analysis was from 2007. Um, and they analyzed studies from 1961 to 2003, and it was to quantify the risk for 13 different cancer sites recognized to be related to tobacco smoking by the International Agency for Research on Cancer, IARC. Um, they extracted data from 254 different reports published between 1961 and 2003, 177 case control studies, 75 cohorts, and two nested case control studies. Um, and this was a monograph by the Society on Tobacco Smoke and Involuntary Smoking. The analyses were carried out on 216 studies with reported estimates for current and former smokers. Okay, so we're not talking about people who just smoke now, but people who have also quit. They defined former smokers as people who have quit at least a year prior to analyzing the results. Um, in 1985, under the auspice of the International Agency for Research on Cancer, an international working group of experts recognized a causal relationship between tobacco smoking and cancer of the lung, the oral cavity, the pharynx, the larynx, the pancreas, the bladder, the renal pelvis, and the urethra. They added cancers of the nasal cavities, nasal sinuses, the esophagus, stomach, liver, kidney, uterine cervix, and bone marrow to the long list of smoking-related cancers. That was 17 years later, uh, so that would have been 1997. They added those. Um, now, when they talk about the definitions and outcomes, only the cancer sites with sufficient evidence of carcinogenicity related to tobacco exposure in humans were considered in this meta-analysis, okay? So they, have, they had to have proved that there was enough evidence to say that smoking was the problem and the cause of the cancer. And so those were cancers of the lung, oral cavity, again, pharynx, larynx, pancreas, bladder, renal pelvis, um, the ureter, nasal cavity, nasal sinuses, esophagus, stomach, liver, kidney, cervix, and bone marrow. So all of those sites uh, are related to and can uh, have cancer that is caused specifically by smoking, if that wasn't a, uh, a reason enough <laughs> to quit. Uh, another part that I highlighted here, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, I never do, but many studies do not specify a minimum duration of abstinence. So like I said, the period of abstinence was at least one year since quitting. Um, and for many studies, only estimates, any estimates for dose categories of cigarettes per day, pack years and duration were available. And for those studies, they could not obtain an estimate for current smokers. Um, however, um, they talk about the fact that they excluded colorectal cancer um, in this out of that long list of cancers as if you needed another reason but a quite recent meta-analysis on all risk factors for colorectal cancer in china based on five published studies reported a significant risk for cigarette smoking in china uh, thus in the sensitivity analysis they decided to evaluate the estimates for colorectal cancer as well Moving down to the actual meta-analysis charts and the increased risk of cancer for each of these different areas. If you've never looked um, at these relative risk profiles before, what you're looking at here is the actual study and when it was made. The square um, that it's showing you in these graphs, the size of the square indicates the size of the population or the number of patients studied. Um, so the bigger the square, the bigger the study in terms of size of patients. And then the dotted line here, number one, shows you that um, that would be the baseline risk of cancer 
um, for a non-smoker. So this is a study that had a certain number of patients that had an increased risk of almost four times as much cancer in the upper digestive tract for smokers versus non-smokers. So they put all these together um, into the results that each study got, and then they give you a pooled result. So the upper digestive tract um, risk of cancer is three and a half times more in a smoker than in a non-smoker. And then they go, so then they've listed all the different types here. So oral cavity is 3.43, um, nasal sinuses and nasopharynx at 1.95. The um, longer the diamond you see here in the pooled results means there was a wider spread of increased risk across the individual studies. The smaller the diamond, the less wide it is, means that the data was very closely pooled together or more closely correlated, okay? Um, the pharynx had a 6.76 increased risk, uh, times risk of cancer. Um, the esophagus were at two and a half, stomach 1.65 times risk, liver 1.56, pancreas 1.70. Um, and they go through each one of these. So there's significant increased risk to all of these areas um, versus a non-smoker, okay? I'm not gonna go through each of them. And I highlighted a couple more things that I think are important. Overall, the risk of lung cancer increases by 7% for each additional smoked cigarette per day. So every additional cigarette you smoke, you increase your risk of cancer by 7%, which is pretty insane when you think about it. Not only that we have the data to be able to conclusively say that, but if you think about every time you have a cigarette, you're increasing your risk of any of these types of cancer by 7%, that could alone be enough motivation for you to try to quit. Um, and this increased risk appears to be slightly higher in women than in men, another interesting fact. Um, and in this table, they just took all the pooled data. So you can see the highest risk, increased risk of um, cancer for smokers is in the pharynx. You have a six and a half times, 6.76 times increased risk, the larynx 6.98, and of course the lung almost a nine times increase with a smoker versus a non-smoker. Um, moving down here to table two, they went through individual studies and talked about uh, gender, whether or not they used alcohol in, in conjunction, um, different races, um, and they go through all those. Again, they're all, all the data is bad, so I'm not gonna go through individuals, but there are increased risks um, based on gender, based on alcohol being a part of the situation versus not. There's different risks, risk factors associated. For example, African-Americans have a higher risk of cancer from smoking than Caucasians, and Caucasians have a higher risk than Asians. Um, so there's, there's a bunch of different data there if you wanna take a look. Um, interesting in table three here, they talked about uh, men versus women and their consumption, and then what the increased risk of all types of cancer, or sorry, of lung cancer, not all types, sorry, lung cancer. Um, so men who smoke, uh, and it also shows the number of studies. So this, the men was 33 studies, the women was 25. All had a 95% confidence interval, meaning it was good data, and they're sure that this is accurate. Um, men who smoke one to nine cigarettes a day have a 1.39 times increased risk of getting lung cancer and women are 1.49 times. If you smoke 10 to 19 cigarettes a day, which is kind of where I fall, men have a 2.67 times increased risk of getting lung cancer than someone who doesn't smoke and women 3.3. If you smoke more than 20 cigarettes a day, it's a 13.7 times increased risk of getting lung cancer for men and a 24 times increase for women of getting lung cancer. So pretty, pretty impressive data there. Um, so I think this is a really good meta-analysis to read. There are a lot of them out there, um, but again, this one was published um, uh, in the International Journal of Cancer in 2007, and it's titled Tobacco Smoking and Cancer, a Meta-Analysis. 
um, and this is available um, online in full copy. It does not need to be purchased if you want to read more. So that's it for today for part one of smoking and what it does to our body. I hope this was some motivation for you if you smoke or you know someone to smoke um, to help them understand the real risks for it um, and hopefully it can help you on your journey to quit um, knowing all the risks associated with it as well. As always, please check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the road coach podcast. If you want to support our show, um, visit patreon.com slash the road coach podcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. Growing the show is how it helps us continue to make episodes. And as always, if you're like me and you live on the road, I hope that you're not only surviving, but thriving, even when you are out of your element. Until next time.